The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hey fam, what is up? We're going to continue our look, our early look at sleepers for 2021. We've already done quarterbacks, already done wide receivers. Tonight we are bringing the sleeper fire to the running back position. Same thing with the other videos. The floor is yours first, sir. Who is a uh, sleeper for 2021 at the running back position that you would like to talk about? You know, it's almost funny, like it's almost like it's come full circle here a little bit with the guy that I'm going to talk about because I, especially draft time last year, like I was hammering this dude and crushing him and everything else. And I still don't think that he's good. Like, I don't think he's like a great running back or there's, there's certainly no like RB1 league winning appeal here. But I think that he's being uh, vastly undervalued for, I think, the opportunity that could be coming his way. And that's uh, running back Zach Moss from the Buffalo Bills. You know, the Bills didn't really do anything this offseason to uh, to upgrade that position. Didn't bring anybody in, didn't draft anybody in the draft that that uh, stands to get in Zach Moss's way. Um, Devin Singletary is just who he is. Like, he's just He's really just a guy. Like, I don't think he's that good at all. And, you know, you look at Zach Moss, played in 13 games last year, only had 43% of the opportunity share, uh, 112 carries, 18 targets, 30. But he did have 30 red zone touches, which is 24th among all running backs. He only he finished with 481 rushing yards, 95 receiving yards, um, only averaged 7.8 fantasy points per game. But some of his efficiency numbers weren't, weren't, weren't bad uh, for the limited touches. He had 27th and evaded tackles for a running back. Um, that had only 112 carries is, is, is impressive. And then 27th in uh, total yards created, but he was seventh in yards created per touch. So he was very efficient on the on the uh, opportunities that he was given um, on a per-touch basis. Now, some of the factors are still there for him. Josh Allen is obviously still there, and Josh Allen is going to have limit his ceiling because Josh Allen and his propensity to rush it in once, it, once they get down inside the five. And um, that, so that is going to hurt him a little bit. But Zach Moss still – 
you know, and, and limited touches, still had five touchdowns last year. But the best thing is he's going in like the ninth round right now. And so he's being really, really undervalued right now. And I think he's a guy that, you know, you're not going to, you know, like I said, he doesn't have this RB1 type ceiling, but I think he could end up being, if he finishes like RB20, RB21 this year, really wouldn't surprise me at all. And I think that he could like push for, you know, 200 total touches this year. And I think that could be enough that, that boosts him up enough, you know, to kind of get him and in, in, into that uh, low end RB2, high end RB3 flex play that you're looking to play him in. He was more of a pass catcher coming out of college. I mean, that, that was kind of his calling card, but he really was utilized as that last year. That was uh, only 18 total targets this year. So hopefully that goes up a little bit. But overall, like I said, he's not a sexy, he's not a sexy name that you're just going to like, you know, feel like that, like Tony Pollard, who's going in that same range where if, Zeke goes down. Tony Pollard is a slam dunk top 12 running back. That's just not the case for, for Zach Moss. It's, it's just not going to be. But I think for what he is, for where he's being taken, I think that he has a, a solid floor and somebody that I think you could probably start in a pinch on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, that's uh, the, the thing with him is uh, the price there. I mean, I think last year, was, wasn't he going like fourth, fifth round last year? Like he was, he, he was relatively high last year. I feel like at some point, like there was a, there was a lot of hype surrounding him and we're not on that train whatsoever last year now at that price i i I could see him having some you know flex worthy weeks for for sure you know with with the touches with josh allen and then the the bills oc came out and said that they're not necessarily looking to run the ball any more often than they did last year they just want to be more efficient whenever they do run the ball. So, but like I said, at that price, it, it really doesn't matter. And if, you know, they, for whatever reason, peel back Josh Allen's rush attempts, like he's definitely going to be the goal line guy. Like Devin Singletary is not going to be the goal line back for, uh, for that team. So there's definitely, I think, some, some hidden upside with him, depending on how things go. And I, I'm going to get my first one out of the way here. If you've been following along with anything I've been doing, whether on Twitter or the content here, you know I, I love this dude. I'm just going to talk about him now, get him out of the way. Michael Carter, New York Jets, absolutely a sleeper. Uh, RB32 on underdog right now, going in the mid-seventh. And the, the, the reason why I like him most is because of the, the depth chart where, where he's sitting. But – if you are enamored by the production that his teammate Javante Williams put up last year, like you have to, you have to at least like Michael Carter as well because they, literally almost damn near the same exact production that Javante Williams had. Michael Carter was also able to put up in that same offense last year. But as far as the Jets go, he got picked in the beginning of the fourth round. They added Elijah Vera Tucker. They traded up in the first round to get him, to put him next to Mekhi Becton. So that left side of their line is much improved from where it was last year. And now you have, you know, Elijah Moore, who uh, who we talked about. He's taking off already, and apparently just the, the absolute show. The offensive line improvements with some of the weapons they brought in. You know, they still have Denzel Mims there, brought in your boy Keelan Cole. Corey Davis came in during the offseason as well. So I think he is going to have a little bit of room to run. And like I said, on that depth chart, there's really nothing that's holding him back. As of right now, the reports are coming out that Tevin Coleman is kind of the guy who is you know penciled into that starting role. But I think that has way more to do with his familiarity with the with the coaching staff and the scheme that they have in place more so than him being locked in as a starter. So maybe it's not week one that Michael Carter is the, uh, the starter for the jets, but you know, 
week two, week three, week four. It's going to be early on in the season where he takes over. He's not going to have to be a, you know, 80% touch kind of guy in order to pay off RB32 price. And I really wouldn't be surprised to see him finish as like a, a back end RB2, running back three rather. And kind of with what you were saying with Zach Moss, just the ability to give you some, you know, some some flex production uh, as, as far as running back goes. So Michael Carter, lock him in. That, but uh, he's somebody that I feel like is probably going to No buts. Moving. No buts. No buts. You're not worried about Ty Johnson at all? No. So I think this is one of those ambiguous backfields that we definitely need to be monitoring as the season gets closer, uh, as we get training camp news and stuff like that to kind of see how this is going to play out. Because I still have hesitation that Michael Carter can be a – true like three down workhorse back but like, i don't think that's his game so there, there's gonna have they're gonna have to have somebody else there that that's gonna have to uh carry that load i have no faith that it's gonna be tevin coleman i think tevin coleman's kind of dust at this point in his career and i do think that somebody like ty johnson uh could end up being that guy who splits touches with him because i mean ty johnson isn't you know he is a 23 years old will be turning 24 um later this year but I mean, if you look at Ty Johnson's numbers, I mean, he has a upper percentile uh, speed score, 86th percentile speed score, a solid 60, almost 60th percentile burst score. He's just somebody that really hasn't given a ton of opportunities. But if you look at last year, I mean, I know it's obviously a really small sample size, but the one opportunity that they actually kind of gave him last year where he had 22 carries, he had 117 yards and a touchdown in that game and 19.7 fantasy points. So I would not rule out Ty Johnson as a guy that I think people should be paying at least some attention to from that backfield and kind of seeing how this thing plays out because he is still there. And I really wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he is obviously the bigger back, 5'11", 210, kind of that prototypical size that you kind of look for a little bit in your early down as an early down back. And so, yeah, um, I don't think, I don't think Michael Carter, like I said, I don't think he's going to be the 80% touch kind of guy, but like I said, RB 32, I don't think he, he has to be, to be able to pay off that price. I, I could see a scenario where Carter's getting like sixty percent, and then whether it's Ty Johnson or you know whoever else they have on the on on you know on that depth chart. Like I said, I Tevin Coleman, I'm not worried about. But Michael P. Ryan, he's already running with uh, the twos and the threes. I don't think he's gotten any work with the one, so I'm not worried about him either. So it kind of seems like it's going to be those three that we've already mentioned who are going to be getting the cracks with the uh, the touches, and I I just think that. My bet would be on Michael Carter to get the, you know, the the majority of the the fifty fifty split. Like I said, RB thirty two. I think he makes for a perfectly fine. The the way that I am attacking him is obviously I want to have two running backs before that, and then he's kind of my third guy. And then you take some, you know, some high upside shots and some guys later in your draft. I definitely wouldn't want him as my RB two by any means. If you're taking a a, a zero RB approach. I would not want him as you know a guy who I'm kind of penciling in as a uh, as a starter week on a week to week basis. But like RB thirty two, I'm completely fine with that price, and I, I think he's going to pay that off. Yeah, I hate it either. Uh, I think he's probably going to. I think you'll probably end up seeing him once once August gets here as like a probably a fifth round pick, probably a uh, sixth round pick, depending on how things kind of shake out a little bit here. And I still don't necessarily hate that 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 spot for him because I think it's still possible that he could handle you know fifty five sixty percent of the touches, which would you know qual- qualify him you know for somebody that that's uh, I think that could pay off that that ADP. I think that uh, there are a couple running backs here that um, I feel like that are more 
they don't really have a clear cut role as somebody that you're just going to be like, okay, you have to take this guy because you're going to, and you're going to be able to use him as a flex, right? More so these are going to be guys that are kind of those golden lottery ticket running backs that you would be taking later in your drafts. And, you know, I, I was going to mention Tony Pollard, but listen, I, there's nothing I, I can tell you that, that we, everybody doesn't already know like Tony Pollard. Uh, I think he could have some standalone value on his own an injury occurring to Zeke. But he is that there is no better uh, handcuff running back than him uh, at this point. And um, he's proven it that when he gets opportunities, like, you know, we, we talk about Alexander Madison every year, like, oh, you know, you got to have Alexander Madison. And then he gets those opportunities and every fucking time he falls flat on his face. I remember it every year because Derek Dalvin Cook gets hurt every year and the DFS community gets super excited every year. Every time it happens, like, oh man, okay. Alexander Madison week, boys, here we go. Here we go. He's 60% owned in DFS and he gets you four fantasy points. So yeah, I, I'm not really all that sold that uh, on uh, uh, my, my excitement for Alexander Madison is waning very, very quickly, but Tony Pollard has secured that role of if something happens to Zeke Elliott, we're looking at a top 12 running back, but um, so I don't want to talk about him. So let's talk about Daryl Henderson and Darrington Evans. And I think both of those guys qualify for that status of, you know, they're more of a lottery ticket. If anything happens to the incumbent starter, we know Cam Akers is going to um, probably handle, I don't know, 65, maybe even 70 plus percent of the touches in that backfield. And Cam Akers has true RB1 upside. That offense is going to be electric this year with Matt Stafford and Robert Woods and uh, Cooper Cup and the additions of even like a Deshaun Jackson, Van Jefferson in another year in that offense. Um, you know, so th- that offense is going to be really, really good. And so uh, that's only going to mean good things for Cam Akers. And I think Cam Akers can be used more as a pass catcher as well. They didn't really utilize him as much as I was liking to see last year. And he is a more than capable pass catcher as well. So Daryl Henderson, if anything happens to Cam Akers, though, Daryl Henderson is in line to be because Malcolm Brown is gone there. So there's no like, oh, well, it's got to be like a two headed monster there with Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown. Like if anything happens to Cam Akers, it is wheels up for Daryl Henderson. And he's probably a top 15 running back. So stashing him on your bench, I think, is a very smart decision. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Darrington Evans is probably a guy... Some people have completely forgotten about like this guy even exists that he was a second round pick last year, uh, excuse me, a third round pick last year for the Titans, but that he was just picked, but he just got hurt last year. Like there was not a whole lot, uh, you know, he got hurt earlier in the year. He only, but he only appeared in five games last year. But if we, if people forget, you know, he has an 86 percentile speed score, 81st percentile burst score, 5'10, 203. I don't really, I'm not that concerned with his, his height and weight. Like I don't, I think that. Uh, he could be kind of – he's not going to be a guy. So if Derrick Henry goes down, like he's not going to get 30 touches a game. It's not going to happen. He probably gets 15 to 18 touches, utilizes the pass catcher. Uh, he's utilized in between the tackles. But I think this guy uh, that is somebody that is absolutely free that people have just completely forgotten about. Um, that they, I think he probably gets more involved this year. I think you could possibly see him utilize more as the pass catching back. 
because uh, he was really good in college at that and uh, at Appalachian State. And so um, I, I like Darrington Evans as kind of that post-high sleeper. People were kind of on that bandwagon a little bit last year. He got hurt, kind of fizzled out. And now like people have just completely forgotten about him and written him off. And I think that's a mistake, especially for a running back like Derrick Henry. I'm not calling injury for him and think, and he's going to try to say that, oh, I think he's going to get hurt. But he is 27 years old. He has been utilized heavily over the last couple of seasons. And so, you know, for a guy his size, I wouldn't surprise me if he if he did get hurt. And if he does, wheels up Darrington Evans. Yeah, completely, completely. I, I've literally forgotten about him sometimes because he, I think, it literally did nothing last year. So I, I like that call, uh, especially the post-hype sleeper a term that gets thrown around a lot, and I think that definitely fits with uh, with Evan. So uh, with you bringing up Daryl Henderson and you know someone who can take off if the, the guy ahead of him gets injured, I'm going to bring Mr. Gus the Bus Edwards to the table, RB39, going at the end of the ninth on underdog drafts. Quietly finished as RB35 last year in half PPR scoring. He only averaged 7.8 points per game, but now we have Mark Ingram out of the equation, so that's going to open up, you know, open up some of those uh, carries. And the the thing that interests me the most with Edwards is obviously one the offense which he resides in. Even though there's been this emphasis on the passing game for Baltimore, they're still gonna. I think if they got to like league average that would be a huge jump for them. Like, I don't I don't see them getting above, you know, like 15th in pass rate or anything like that. I think they're going to be more around like, you know, the, like the mid-20s, which for them is going to be a huge increase in pass volume. But for, for us as fantasy players, really not going to, you know what I mean, it's not going to be something that's like super sexy for us. So there's still going to be a, a run-first offense. He just inked that two-year uh, contract extension. Then if you look at where Edwards was getting some of his carries last year, where he was getting the edge over J.K. Dobbins, he was getting more of those carries inside of the 10 and inside of the 5. Edwards had 17 carries inside of the 10 to Dobbins 13, and then he had 9 carries inside of the 5 to Dobbins 8. So obviously, you know, on a on an offense that isn't targeting the running back position, I don't think it's something that we can – you know, even with the reports coming out that they're apparently getting Dobbins more involved, I don't think that's something that we can count on. Like, I, I want to see that first before I put any kind of any kind of faith in that. But you know, if if anything were to happen to Dobbins, even for a couple of weeks, or if it were you know a, a more uh, serious long term injury, behind Edwards, you're literally looking at Justice Hill, and that's that's really it. So. Gus Edwards is somebody who I am super interested in. I think he has standalone value just because of how much the Ravens run the ball. And then, if, like I said, if something goes uh, wrong with Dobbins, it's going to be wheels up for, for Gus Edwards. And I think something, you know, the, the last point I want to make, he I feel like he wrongly kind of gets typecast as this kind of just like grinder, plotter kind of guy because – you know, he's, he's the, the, the backup running back. He doesn't get as much run. But last year, he was actually seventh in breakaway runs and seventh in breakaway run rate. So the dude has a little bit of juice as well. So 
Gus Edwards is someone I'm definitely interested in for the 2021 season. No, I think he's someone that people definitely should be taking a look at in that range. So many, and I think someone that has his own standard, like I said, like standalone value. Like he's not going to bring you a lot in terms of uh, pass catching. I probably have a little bit more interest in him in a half point PPR league, a full point PPR. But I mean, over 700 rushing yards and six touchdowns last year, and. You know, he was also uh, eight goal line carries, which was 14th among all running backs. You know, he was he was 29th or 29th in yards created, 23rd in yards created per touch. So um, I like Gus Edwards, and I think he's something that people should be taking a look at. You know, kind of that bench stash that you know if something happens to starter. And I think on certain weeks that you know, depending on the matchups, that I think you could probably plug him in and play him because he's going to get opportunity. Um, I don't think that J.K. Dobbins is all of a sudden going to be 80%, you know, uh, usage rate or anything like that opportunity share. Because if he was, then uh, my opinion on it, because I think, I mean, the, 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 I think the disconnect for people, some people, we talk about J.K. Dobbins, when we talk about him negatively, people take it as like we say, like he sucks. And that's not the case. I think J.K. Dobbins very well would be the second best, like, talent running back, you know, in last year's draft class. Uh, he's He's that good. But unless the Ravens are going to utilize in that way, and then when you have a quarterback who runs as much as Lamar Jackson does, it's just going to limit his ceiling. And that's the tough part with J.K. Dobbins is I just don't think he has the ceiling that people think that he does. And could I be wrong? Sure. I mean, maybe they do commit to him uh, in that way. And if they do, awesome, because they should, because he's that good. Yeah. And But I just don't see it. Like, he wasn't utilized as a pass catcher and everything else. And so, like – until that changes, I think the number two running back here on the Ravens depth chart like certainly has some appeal because if something were to happen to J.K. Dobbins, he's going to soak up all these touches. And so like uh, he then becomes, you know, a, a strong RB2, I think, um, in that situation. So the last couple of running backs that I just wanted to hit on are more just uh, kind of guys, again, kind of like we do with the wide receivers, is guys that I just kind of want. I would be paying attention to and really monitoring their, their situation and kind of seeing how things play out. Like Larry Roundtree is definitely one. And some people are going to be like, who, who's that? And uh, he uh, is a former Missouri tiger running back uh, who was drafted this year, not with any heavy draft capital. He's not like your, he's not some like athletics, like stud or anything like that. Right. Like, I think he's, he is probably more of just a guy than anything, but we saw last year that Josh Kelly is not a guy. Like he he was not good. <laughs> he had the, the 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 one the one game, and then it was just. I mean, when Kalen Balage comes in and just just takes your job from you, right? Like the, everything was lined up for for Josh or Kelly to have a, a decent year last year because we yeah. know that that Austin Eckler is never going to be a workhorse back like he's not going to get 70 plus uh, 70 plus percent of the opportunities in, in a backfield it's just not going to happen he just doesn't have that he just doesn't uh you profile as that he's kind of like an aaron jones like 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 type player right where he is going to win in efficiency and through the passing game um he's not going to give you 250 attempts that's just not going to happen so they're going to need this guy uh, that guy that which is what they were hoping that joshua kelly would turn into uh, he did not. Now it's possible Josh Kelly bounces back, and I know Justin ja- Justin Jackson has flashed at times as well in that backfield, but he can never stay healthy either. So, but they did take a shot on Larry Roundtree, and I think he's somebody that people should be monitoring through the the draft process and training camp and OTAs and everything else to kind of see what he's doing and how he looks for this team. Because, like I said, he's not a great running back. He's not somebody that's going to, like I said, be a league winner. But I think that he's good enough that I think that uh, he could supplant that. Ended up being the early down 
goal line back here and this and this explosive charger offense. So he's somebody that I definitely want people to be monitoring. The the last guy I want to wrap this up on, kind of in the similar vein of just you know Larry Roundtree and guys to pay attention to is Elijah Mitchell, the rookie running back for the the second rookie running back that the Niners took uh, in the 2021 draft. Currently going at RB66. He's outside of the top 200 in ADP. So, like, you don't even have to worry about drafting him at this point, especially in your, you know, just standard redraft leagues. But he's definitely a guy to monitor the early reports that were coming out of the, you know, the, the rookie mini camps for Sam Fran said that he was impressing every day. He was making plays. And he has a pretty solid collegiate profile as well. Uh, came in at 5'10, 201, ran a 4440. And, you know, his his stats might not be like the, the craziest coming out of UL Lafayette, but you have to keep in mind that he was rotating work with three, with two other running backs. So it was a, it was a three-headed monster for, uh, for the Raysian Cajuns. And the three out of his four seasons, he had at least 875 rushing yards, like I said, despite rotating with two other running backs. And he had a 6% target share. And two out of those four years, which, you know, doesn't sound like a lot whenever we're talking about NFL target shares, but for collegiate purposes and for the running back position, like that's, that's pretty, it's, it's respectable. And I, I think we could be looking at Mitchell as potentially the pass catching, like change of pace kind of back because, you know, Trey Sermon didn't really show a, uh, a, a heavy, a heavy aptitude for pass catching, and I think he could that that could go to Elijah Mitchell, and that that could end up being his role. And obviously, you know, much like Kansas City, we want to get as many shots on Shanahan offenses as well. So he is the uh, the last guy that I will bring up just to kind of keep in the back of your minds as as the offseason progresses and we start to get some of these reports coming out. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't uh, I don't dislike that at all. I think I think he's another. Uh, a solid option there. I think he is. Uh, I think he is a very intriguing guy, especially because of his athletic profile. Uh, Antonio Gibson esque in terms of that, but not uh, obviously with the draft capital that Antonio Gibson got. So yeah, and you know, again, it really wouldn't surprise me if, if uh, with all things said and done, Elijah Mitchell turns out to be a better uh, prospect than what Trey Sermon is. But we'll see. Uh, I'm not calling it and saying it's a likelihood of anything like that, but I think it's it is in the low end range of outcomes that that could possibly happen there because of his athleticism and being in that system. So, folks, you have heard it all, and Elijah Mitchell RB one season. Let's go. Leave a comment, rate, review on podcast. Make sure you are subscribed and make sure you're keeping it locked in here to the TFA airwaves. And we'll talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye.